Hello and welcome to Late Scratches, the pod- podcast. I'm Bill Gibson, joined by host, co-host Brad Janes. Brad, we say this is our episode one, maybe our episode the only. Have you written a renewal notice yet? Uh, I have not written a renewal notice uh, right. yet. We'll wait and see where this thing goes. Uh, so what is it uh, What is it? Late Scratches is? Should we tell everybody what we're going to oh, talk about? I think about? so, absolutely. I think this is something that's new and uh, we want to have some background, uh, great music intro by the way, but uh, some background information, so take it away, Gibby. Yeah, I, I didn't write that music myself, <laughs> didn't, didn't write it or perform it. Uh, yeah, so where, where to start? Um, this is something you talked to me about maybe close to a year ago initially, having a podcast. Definitely, uh, there had been a couple of talks, obviously, with some of the demise of the, the local sports particularly. And I think uh, you and I are, are major advocates, along with a lot of others in our region, of, of local sports. Not necessarily results, uh, but I know you're a storyteller and I am, and, and uh, uh, it's been lacking. And uh, we're in Fredericton, as, as a former journal, longtime journalist, um, Fredericton was spoiled with uh, Bill Hunt, Bruce Hallahan, the late Mike Power, and others. Uh, that really shed a lot of light on local personalities. And I think between you and I and the, and the activities that we're involved with, we can maybe bring some of those stories to the forefront. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly the hope. And uh, I know you've, over the course of the period of time that I've known you, you've thrown probably 150 ideas, at least my way, sometimes 100 of them in one conversation. You're one of the very few people that will listen to me, so you know, I'm going to go that extra year. Well, there might, there might be a few more a few more now, and, and a lot of your ideas. I kind of roll my eyes. This one was one I wasn't super warm to, I'll admit to, at first. I thought, who's going to really want to listen to me talk? Uh, particularly in what we intend to talk about. Uh, But then, as you said, uh, you know, the the lack of storytelling really in the sports world isn't there. Uh, I thought about that and thought, well, I'm really, am I one of the guys that can tell those stories? Wasn't really sure of that um, really until the summer uh, with the Maritime Women's Basketball Association when I did a a new-to-me thing. Um, You know, I've done play-by-play for a number of years for a host of sports and some public address things. Uh, but as part of that play-by-play this year, I picked up doing interviews um, and absolutely uh, blown away, one, by the stories of the league, but by the stories that are out there that n- need to be told. Um, and, and that sort of had me, you know, leaning more towards taking on something like this. And, and um, you know, even with that, it was still kind of back burner for me um, until um, July, no, nope. yeah, July, um, and the Archie Golf Tournament. Wait, that was August, no, not July. Fun. The summer sort of melding together here, and it's we're okay. going to get into the Archie a little yeah, bit here, here, here in a minute. Uh, middle of August, uh, a few weeks ago, um, and one of the celebrities on hand for that tournament was former uh, Canadian Olympic team member and uh, flag bearer Miranda Iam, uh, who has a podcast of her own and and uh, had a few minutes. Uh, chatting with Miranda, who encouraged us to move forward. Um, and um, the next day, I was so inspired by that, I actually ordered the equipment that we have right here uh, in front of us. So In your downtown Marysville studio. Yeah, right in the downtown Marysville studio. and right. No better place to be than, uh, than, uh, than in Marysville. Um, and, and we've covered this a little bit, but uh, the idea uh, for us is that we, we want to talk about um, really the stories behind the games. Um, don't come here if you're looking for, you know, the, the scores, and you know, the recap of the game. We may do a little bit of that um, that's, that's incidental to what we're talking about, uh, but we're not going to be a score recap uh, 
uh, place in particular, we may talk about general results and those types of things. Um, just not, uh, you know, you and I both have full-time jobs. Um, some of us have, you know, more than one thing going on outside of that. Um, and, uh, you know, we're just not uh, positioned to be able to pick that that level up. But we, we really want to tell those stories that, that aren't, uh, as I say, being told. Oh, I think you can find any score if you're a NBA, NHL, MLB fan, whatever it is, you're going to find that within seconds on www.something or Instagram or all the social media facets out there. So yeah, if a score dovetails into a story that we're talking about, if a team's going to the Nationals and we're featuring somebody, uh, that's great. But you're right, it's uh, not a results-oriented program, and I think we discussed that ad nauseum. Uh, this entire community and the, and the region that we live in is just chock full of stories. And uh, that's what we hope to find. And we're, we're uh, between the two of us, we have an awful lot of connections in, in, in multiple sports and, and, and pursuits. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Yeah, I, I hope so. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, uh, I've got some nice equipment here that'll make a very good yard sale if things, if this thing doesn't, doesn't go at all. So, yeah. So to, to recap, uh, you know, don't come here if you want to know who won the dart shoot on Thursday night at the Legion. That wasn't um, me. Yeah, um, but you know, the, the way the price of meat is, maybe we should be spending our time That's there right. instead of here in front of a, front of a microphone. But, you know, we'll, we'll move on from that. Um, but yes, if there are stories out there to be told, we want to be part of, of telling them. Um, we will undoubtedly touch on a lot of basketball because that's where you and I spend a lot of our time um, collectively. Uh, but uh, we're involved in many other things as well, and we're interested in things beyond what uh, what you and I are involved in personally as well. Yeah, I think two lifelong sports fans, right, and, and uh, participants and everything else. And um, you know, my connection with basketball—I never played a game in my life, never been on a basketball court to play, and yet uh, up to it, you know, in my neck or up to my neck. So uh, I think we both have the ability to communicate and have some fun and. Uh, we're going to bring on some entertaining guests as we uh, move along. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the plan. So anybody that's out there, the, the equipment that we have, we, we are four microphone capable. Um, we can literally pick up this equipment, put it in a backpack and record from anywhere. Um, also allows us to um, plug in a, a uh, one of the four microphones can be replaced by a cell phone feed. Um, so we can do that as well and uh, have, uh, have remote call-in guests. Uh, and we do, um, you know, intend, I don't think we'll, we'll get beyond too many episodes if we don't have guests. Uh, the stories that you and I could tell, you know, would interest a few for a while, but uh, I don't think it would be, uh, you know, worth anybody's time if it was just you and I talking. So uh, we, we are out there uh, and are looking uh, for our content, uh, people to talk to and things to talk about. Uh, I've got a list. I know it took me about 15 minutes to come up with about uh, three pages of things that we could talk about. I'm sure you have a list, and, and we're hoping the community has a list as well. Yeah, if people are interested in uh, talking about the backpack, so I think it sounds like it's going to be a traveling roadshow from Devon to Marysville, New Maryland to Fredericton, Southside, Northside, uh, yeah. East-West, you know, have, yeah. have backpack, have gear, we'll travel. But um, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing is just if there is some interest, you know, we are going to be out there on social media as well. Uh, through various different uh, contact points. So if, if something is intriguing, you can reach out. I know you've created a web uh, or sorry, an email address as well, just to kind of go. And I just, uh, uh, podcasts are, are certainly the way, uh, probably of the future in terms of content. And as a former longtime newspaper uh, journal, print journalist, uh, it, it certainly 
hurts my heart to see that uh, product uh, be diminished. But uh, hey, there's uh, one chapter closes, another opens. So away we go. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just to be clear to everyone, I, I, I'm not and do not consider myself a journalist, uh, despite the fact that I, I do I do a lot of talking. I've had several people ask me if I'm a journalist. Uh, no, I don't, don't have any of that uh, uh, formal background. I, I need sheets of paper in front of me here. I need to be prepared to, uh, to talk and, and to be much more uh, organized than that. So you mentioned an email address. I'll throw that out there. Uh, we are Late Scratches Podcast. So Late Scratches at Outlook.com. Late Scratches at Outlook.com. And for those that know, you know, spelling, don't forget the E in scratches in that email address. There you go. Spelling B it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, why the name? So we. No, there weren't any uh, name possibilities for this, were there? Uh, no, we, we, I think, traded several dozen names. Um, and one, finding a name, a good name for a sports podcast that wasn't already taken, uh, a bit of a challenge. Uh, we settled on late scratches, and it really struck me um, as sort of fitting, I think, for what we want to talk about. Um, late scratch really comes out of horse racing, you know, a, a horse that's removed from the race, you know, after the line is set or, you know, out of the, you know, you know out of the starting block. Uh, and there's usually a story behind that as to why that, uh, uh, you know, that horse has been removed. And that's the type of information that, you know, people are trying to seek out uh, at the race and, and around the race after the race. Uh, um, you know, so we hope to tell those stories. And Late Scratches, I think, also goes to uh, what you and I do in our when we put on our play-by-play hats is, you know, we show up and we think we've got the lineup about who's going to play. And then we talk to the coaches or we get handed a sheet of paper and suddenly... Um, you know, people aren't in the lineup and we have to find out why and try to get that information, communicate that along to the listeners in, in those areas. So I, I thought it both was fitting in terms of what we want to talk about and what we do sort of outside of the podcast. Absolutely. And I was a little concerned when you first said it because my Quebec Major Junior League career was seven times scratch, seven consecutive scratches. So I knew the writing was on the wall there. That it was going to win, so I thought here you were taking a shot at me, but I know you're not now. Uh, no, no, not not uh, not not taking a shot at you on on that one. Um, yeah, so reach out if you if you're out there if you've got a topic idea. We absolutely want to hear from you. You can hit us up at that email. Uh, I'm sure many of our listeners of episode one here will know you and I anyway. That's probably where where a lot of that will start, and you can reach out to us directly. Um, as well. So that's it about uh, about the podcast, about who we are, what we're up to. Um, I think, you know, given we're in episode one here, we should talk about some other things. There we go. And, uh, you know, how about let's uh, let's talk about the summer, the, the summer that was. I know, um, you know, I mentioned it. Um, a lot of people would know you and I from uh, your, your do a lot of the Red Wings games here in, in Fredericton. I do a lot for the Stu Tommies. Uh, those sort of seasons ended and we sprung fairly quickly out of that into the Maritime Women's Basketball Association season two. Well, season two came along quickly and uh, you know started in April with the Frederick and Freeze and the 16 MWBA uh, again um, just the on-court talent and you were you saw most of the games you broadcast games in Fredericton, uh, uh, St. John and pretty much all over and uh, you, you saw it uh, just how good the talent is in the league and um, that is something that uh, we all have to catch up to. We have to, uh, organizers of it have to catch up to the talent that's on the floor. And I think that's probably the biggest uh, challenge for us uh, as we head into our first ever face-to-face AGM. COVID and, and time has uh, has hindered that. We're into our 
third year now and uh, coming up in uh, September 24th, I believe it is, in Sackville, New Brunswick. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting time uh, coming into year three. Yeah, and, and I know you shy away from this, but you need congratulations for where this league has gotten to. Um, Thanksgiving. Two, two years in, um, and... You know, this sort of ties into one of our next topics as well. Is this this idea really came up for the Maritime Women's Basketball Association on a conference call during COVID, uh, which you just uh, alluded to, and uh, and it was a comment I believe at the end of the call by a national team coach or former national team coach now, uh, Lisa Tomitis, uh, who said uh, you know that uh, Canada is the only. Um, I think FIBA country, is that correct? Top-ranked FIBA country. Yeah, yeah. top-ranked FIBA country without a professional league. And uh, Maritime Women's Basketball Association is not professional. I know you you did some napkin math on that, and that, that quickly sort of be, became beyond, um, you know, what you thought you could take on. And, and you've been a real driving factor in, in getting the league and, and through to what I would say will be widely successful years on the court. Um, and you, you, you talked about sort of, some growing pains there off the court, I'll say, on the on the management side of things to work through. But finals played at Harbor Station in front of 1,200 people. I mean, wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I think I did a 360 uh, when we were at TD Station in June. And uh, obviously, had hope Fredericton would have been in the final. We ran into some pretty key injuries to Eva Tumwini and Katie Mac, Katie McAfee and Allie McCarthy. But uh, big picture was uh, just a, a great final in a great location and a, and a great venue. Um, but to, to think where it came from. And one thing I've learned in, in this basketball community, you know, I talk to people like Joyce Slip and, and, and people that have been around a long time, Rick Cotter, um, is how small the basketball community is. doesn't matter if it's Miramichi, Fredericton, St. John, or, or Edmonston or Grand Falls. Um, you can reach out to anybody. And Lisa was incredibly kind. Mike Morielli, the commissioner of the wildly successful Canadian League Basketball League. These people get back to you and start conversations and start relationships. And can this work? And that was my question to everybody. And Linda Speedy actually asked me, do they want to play? Do the women want to play when this was all started? And I wasn't sure. I said, well, I never really asked that question. You just assume, but you can't assume anything. And uh, But it was an excellent question. It was like, you know, what if you gave a party and nobody came? Uh, but they did come. And they come out in droves. And uh, it's Mike Morelli had told me the CEBL the first year, the second year was dramatically different. And now look at them, a television contract with TSN, uh, just all over the place uh, in terms of, of what that product's bringing to the country in basketball. So, yeah, it's, it's come a long way. All that in a nutshell, it's come a long way. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's spectacular. I know, you know, quick recap, a uh, new champion this year in the Halifax Thunder. They were able to cap off a perfect season. Um, last year, they went undefeated until the very final game, losing to Cross City rival this year. They went all the way, ran the table. Um, impressive, impressive run there and tons of talent there on the floor. Mentioned, uh, you know, the, the finals in TD Station. Even my notes say Harbor Station. <laughs> it will forever right. be Harbor no, Station to one. me. Listen, um, I grew up in Harbor Station and spent, what, 11 years of my life in that press box. So it's pretty hard for me to not say Harbor Station. Uh, coming out of the league already, there was one pro player last year, Carissa Cadrini, who... I did, did you had you known of Cadrini before she arrived here in the league had last not. year? Had played in Ontario at Lakehead. Um, showed up because she wanted to play, and 
Wow. Turned uh, one season at MWBA back in uh, Portugal for her second pro season. Amazing story. Yeah. Came down all of a sudden the leading scorer and right from the first game that was played almost in my backyard here at, at Leo Hayes. Not not too far as the, as the crow flies from downtown Marysville to Leo Hayes. Um, I think it was a 30-something point game right out of the gate. She turned that into a pro contract. Uh, she's back with another pro contact this year, same team. Uh, and Sophia Widmeyer as well, a second player out of the league, played on uh, uh, on the Halifax Hornets uh, pro contact uh, for this coming year, right, playing right now. Yeah, remarkable story. Uh, again, had entertained a contract offer in Portugal, uh, but opted at the last minute to go to Ireland. So she's in Dublin now with the Dublin Lions. Uh, and last year we had contact with uh, with a number of European squads asking who's out there. And uh, it, it seems far-fetched sometimes, but it's not. Uh, but at the same time, and it's fantastic that we're sending these women overseas uh, from our league. Um, but man, it would be nice to have a, some sort of professional league in this country um, where they don't have to go. Because some of them, uh, some of them are, are, are doing fine jobs. And Portugal's beautiful. Carissa said she loves it there. Same as, as Sophia. I talked to her a couple of weeks ago, and she was just amazed with what's going on. But all the, all the time, the conditions aren't great if you're in a third division somewhere. Um, but how does it happen? I think that's the multi-million dollar question. How does it happen? It is exactly a multi-million dollar question. And, um, you know, I, we can go into this or not go into this if you don't want to. Uh, we can we can cut this one short. But, you know, budgets for this league are, you know, we're talking, I'll say, 15 to 20,000 per team. Would that be fair? Pretty much. Uh, none of the players are paid. Uh, they're all looked after well, um, just in terms of uh, you know playing at a high level and, and accepting certain uh, circumstances. Uh, you know, I don't mind saying the free stayed at Mount Saint Vincent University during our trip to Halifax because Halifax hotels, as anybody who's tried to make a reservation there knows, uh, there's no such thing as a budget in. Um, but yeah, it's it, it. Where can it happen? Uh, can it happen in one city with four teams? Can it happen in one section in Eastern Canada to start? Who knows? But uh, you know, you talk about bet on women and women in sport, and and you and I are both proponents of it. And I know there are a lot, but it's uh, if it's going to go, and where is it going to go? Uh, I'd like to see something happen pretty soon. Yeah, and that's the the pro league that, that you're referring to, and I know at least I believe, the Maritime Women's Association not trying to be that and at the present time. Certainly, uh, you know, uh, you're talking a pro league. Your budget's going to be you know, more than that that range that I, that I talked about. Um, and certainly some great sponsors involved in that league. I know mention them all the time when we, we do the broadcast there. Um, and you just touched on, on the last point um, that I sort of had in my notes here. Uh, it's really the impact of that league that's having on women, that's having on youth, um, it's easily the most impactful thing that I've been involved in when, when you see, um, you know, what happens there. Um, and you've talked to some other players that spawned, as we've talked about, uh, you know, pro contracts. But the women in this league are anywhere from current university students to pushing 40-ish, I would say, you know, professionals, doctors, lawyers, nurses, you name it. The women in this league are it. Yeah, amazing stories. Uh, and I look just here in our own backyard with somebody like Jill Durling with three children, Leah Bowers with four children, and somehow balancing getting their children to their games and uh, working and, and, and then coming to practice with the freeze and, and playing on weekends. And, and it's not just uh, Leah and Jill. It's it's all as one through 14. They're all doing something. Renee Goodman, a physicist, and uh, you know working away in the lab and then getting off and 
jumping in a truck and going to Moncton to play, and then the stories are uh, that way all, all across the league. And we all make sacrifices. We all do. We're not saying the MWBA is the be-all, end-all in terms of um, uh, bringing out personalities and everything, but it, re- it really is. It's it's just been a, an amazing story. So, and, and the league was started to give women a chance to play because it always drove me crazy. Uh, a player would go come up through the minor system, play interscholastic, and if fortunate enough, play four or five years of university basketball, and at 22, that's it. You might be playing in a mixed league, a co-ed league in your hometown or whatever. And uh, so that was the, the whole idea behind it after chatting with Lisa and, and many others. Uh, but to see uh, the talent come out, it's been pretty quick. People want to play. Women want to play. And they want to play at a competitive level. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing, and I you know I think about some of the the, the stories from the league from this year that uh, that we told, and I would encourage anyone to go out, check out YouTube, check out the repeats of the broadcast. But you know, when you get to the halftime, don't fast forward through. Watch those interviews. Those interviews are are amazing, same as the post game interviews. Um, as I say, very very impactful and just an incredible thing uh, to be part of. And and uh, you know, special thanks to to yourself. Uh, the fog as well for having me as the as the play-by-play voice uh, for both of those teams and I was lucky enough to to do the finals as well and again thank you to the entire freeze organization for sort of giving me um, a bit of an inside look this year uh, it's the first time I've been to a training camp of any kind in many many years I think since I was in high school and it was held at Fredericton High School and I won't date myself too much <laughs> but uh, let's just say it wasn't this millennium uh, for that one um, got to go on the road and see some of those insights and learn more about the players and about the league and uh, uh, just absolutely amazing uh, from that front. Uh, Freeze, as you said, a really good year, seven and three, first place in New Brunswick. Um, had that bye to the semifinal uh, and as you mentioned, really derailed by some of those late injuries. Yeah, unfortunate certainly, uh, but full marks to Port City Fog and, and Halifax Thunder for putting on a heck of a show, an offensive show. Um, Halifax into triple figures and, and pulled away with a well Cagiarini three with what 62 seconds left or whatever it was to put the game away, but uh, amazing. And uh, hey, I also made you a fan of St. John, so it's uh, you. It's I was going to say that uh, you. I, I used to think that Fredericton was the uh, you know a bit of the be all end all, and uh, after that weekend in St. John, I won't say they've totally swapped places, <laughs> but uh, uh, the gap significantly closed in terms of, of what that is. I actually. I felt safer out at night in in uh, uptown, which is still downtown St. John to me, than uh, I do going to work in the morning here in downtown Fredericton, which well, is a remarkable well. thing, uh, you know, thing to say um, uh, about that. Um, you talked earlier about the AGM coming up. Uh, I know the freeze itself. You've already have some initiatives um, already underway for next year and and for the future. Yeah, last year was a difficult off season just because the first year took so much out of all of us. I don't think any of us the, that started the league talked to each other for about three months after we were tired of each other. To tell you the truth, but uh, uh, this year there's just so much positive uh, positivity around the league and and around the freeze. And we started a campaign called a hundred dollars from 100 uh, businesses or individuals because we have it individuals uh, reach out and it's, sure. it's been successful we started two weeks ago um, uh, it's September 6th during this recording and uh, we're all, all almost at 25 percent of our projected uh, campaign goal of 10,000 and uh, amazing people that uh, we know and people that we don't know just saying I want to contribute to this because I take my children to the games and uh, I make sure that I think it's important that they are acknowledged 
um, individually, and it comes with two season passes as well, which we'll hand out. Um, and we have more announcements coming that uh, I can't wait to uh, to inform the public of. So all in all, yeah, great uh, a great second season in the MWBA with the freeze, and I can't say enough about our community support. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I know you've also launched a website, and you've had some storage go up there already. That's just recent in the last couple of weeks that that's been up there. So there's there's some stories. Freezefreeze.ca uh, if you want to check out more on the freeze. Uh, you also have a partnership with the local youth association. Yeah, we joined with uh, Fusion Basketball. And, uh, Ashley Council is the new uh, uh, president of the Youth Basketball Association in Fredericton, and it's huge numbers. I, I don't know where they're going to accommodate all the children playing in uh, the various levels under Basketball New Brunswick's banner, but uh, we were more than happy. It was one of the surveys uh, for the freeze, uh, what could we do to improve, and one of the consistent messages was can we get involved with minor uh, association teams and, and players because they were... Uh, a lot of the children wrote to our games and so we did that we, we navigated that and now we have an official partnership with the fusion and uh i'll tell you what that season comes up really quick and uh, we're going to hopefully have some skills and drills and we'll be present at some tournaments uh helping with prizes at their three major three-on-three tournament and other tournaments throughout the year so uh look forward to that yeah that, that's excellent and i i see there already posting schedules for that three-on-three tournament and and uh, tryout schedule so things are things are happening fast well we'll sort of get to that um you talked about some other announcements coming anything else you want to share on the freeze right now oh i've got to be a real surprise holder first uh but yeah we're just we're honestly uh, it sounds like a burnham and bailey thing but we're just waiting on a couple of significant uh, details uh, before we announce and it, it is kind of funny my old friend and and uh, writing rival Bill Hunt has been uh, direct message of me come on let me know let me know and oh Hunt you're not going to know yet and, you know you're not going to be the first one you're not writing anymore there bud so uh, we hope within the next couple of weeks we have some pretty exciting announcements I, and one is absolutely 100% confirmed but we're trying to make them uh, mesh together that, that's uh, that's excellent and uh, have some idea of what what they are you and i have have chatted a little bit um maybe maybe that means we'll have an episode too yeah we might have yeah that's right exactly we'll, we'll run on that but so many stories to talk about i know we've been talking about the mwva but uh there's more and i know you know you can certainly segue into to whatever you want to talk about and that's the beauty of this whatever kind of uh you know spider glass crack window uh path that it goes to um i think that's the fun we can have yeah, so so let's do that. Let's uh, right. let, let's uh, well first let's take a little break. All right, here and then uh, we'll be right back in just like a minute or maybe less, uh, and we'll talk about something new. All right. Do you have questions about what goes into your blue or gray recycle box? Contact the Capital Region Service Commission's Solid Waste Division Recycle Hotline at four five three nine nine three eight or email recycle at capitalrsc.ca. That's recycle at C-A-P-I-T-A-L-R-S-C dot C-A. So let's go into what for me was the absolute best event of the summer uh, and maybe maybe the best event in probably my adult life for quite some time for me, um, for sure. That's uh, the Archie Golf Tournament. Pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable event. Um you uh, kind of paved the way and next thing you know i was down there and in, in terms of your connections and uh, go ahead and take it away because i know you were uh, like i think you're the, the unofficial mayor of st andrews for a couple of days down there and just uh, i've never seen you shake so many hands Pat. wow well I'm, I'm not really a smoother uh, but i know you're not but you were right i was the at the banquet on the friday night just giggling 
watching you just go from table to table. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, and, and it was water in your glass too. You it, know? it was water, water in the glass at that point in time as well too. So, um, so what is the Archie? We should probably tell folks that if they don't already know, it's a celebrity golf tournament uh, hosted at the Algonquin. Uh, this was the second annual last year. Um, I want to say that I had COVID during it last year and I was in no shape to even consider attending. Uh, this year, uh, they do, as you mentioned, a dinner, uh, and you could buy a separate ticket for the dinner from the golf. That was my intention was to go down for the Friday night for the dinner, um, and not be part uh, of the golf. Uh, that changed pretty radically. You know, uh, I, I looked at that and, uh, thought, you know, I haven't golfed in 10 plus years. The clubs have got a whole lot of dust on them. My golf game was never very good. Uh, and I didn't think that golf was going to be, you know, something that I, I would, uh, you know, uh, add value, let's say, to any of the teams that I might have, you know, been on down there uh, for that. So was planning on uh, just the dinner. And, and if it was only just the dinner, it has still been a great event, right? Um, but a couple folks really made that whole entire weekend absolutely special for me. First, as, as you mentioned, uh, I think is uh, Tom Liston, who's the host of the event, the, the chair of the uh, World's, World's Oralist Court Initiative, and that's what the Archie really supports. He's the, the key organizer of the, of the uh, um, Archie golf tournament and dinner. Um, and, and the initiative, we should ought to, you know, share that with folks as well. So the World Oralist Court, um, the oldest remaining basketball court in the world, um, exists in New Brunswick. It's in St. Stephen. Um, any courts that were older are torn down, burnt, gone away. We have a gem right here in our backyard. Uh, and, uh, you know, the approach of the world's oldest court team and, and Tom is, is that something that belongs to all of New Brunswick? It's not a St. Stephen thing. It's not a, you know, uh, you know, a local thing. Um, it, it really is a gem. Uh, the court itself, think the Naismith commercial with the peach baskets, if you, if you hadn't seen it. Uh, and what they're really trying to do is, is to build uh, adjacent to the court and, and the plans that they unveiled at the Archie um, you know, weekend this year, um, really for, I'll call it a pavilion. Pavilion, I'm not sure um, you know, exactly what, uh, what they call it, but a building next door that's like a mini basketball hall of fame exhibit style building, just spectacular, uh, that links through to this, uh, you know, preserved, uh, yeah, court that, that is in St. Stephen, um, you know, obviously, you know, fundraising going on there for that and, and the Archie part of that and, uh, just phenomenal, uh, you know, gem to have here and for the New Brunswick basketball community, to be aware of and and support and and be pulled into and and uh, you know um, you know work together to make that uh, a, a thing and I know if you go on uh, you know Google and you Google it there's lots of information on the website about it but uh, just a phenomenal place yeah absolutely and there's a major Fredericton connection a lot of Fredericton connections uh, when we were down there that's for sure a lot of people from uh, this region were down and and Tom is uh, I hadn't met Tom until uh, till that event and. Uh, I'll tell you what, he was pretty composed considering you know, a thousand different things to look at, flights and cars and trucks and golf and tees and weather and, you know, things, some things he couldn't control. Uh, but he uh, certainly pulled it off and just an amazing group. Like, uh, you know, with my background, I've been to a lot of those events. This was as casual a high-end event. And when I say high-end, I don't mean to say you had to show up in a certain die because a few of us were in shorts. 
Adam Sprague was actually in Crocs. That was a, might've been a fine on another day, but, um, it was just, it was an amazing leisurely casual event that brought awareness and brought a lot of, uh, um, it was an eclectic group, wasn't it? And, it it uh, was a, a very eclectic yeah. group. And, and as you said, it was casual. And, you know, the notes that I put together uh, says, unless it was me, there wasn't a single jerk I- I- in the crowd, <laughs> yeah, e- either so either celebrity or attendee. Every, everybody was just, you know, mellow. They let things happen as it happens. There was nobody monopolizing the celebrities and the celebrities were spectacular oh really good and uh they they were involved and certainly if you had a question nobody nobody minded i mean i i'm not sure i think it was it was pretty early when i was out on the algonquin deck with jack armstrong you know um talking about everything and anything and uh but that's just the way it was like uh, i didn't expect going into the week that jack and i would be sitting on a deck in st andrews uh waxing poetic about a million different things turns out jack's a singer too uh, Jack Jack is a singer. That was how the event ended. Was uh, uh, with Jack singing and you know the so uh, you know first thank you to Tom for uh, one dragging me into the golf tournament because as I said I didn't intend to. Um, that made the Friday turn into all day Saturday and Saturday night for me as well. Uh, also to uh, you know my employer Verisource Mark McAllister. Um, you know he encouraged me and and uh, you know um, you know also supported that from a. Uh, a financial perspective yeah. for for myself to to be there for the Friday night and, and how much fun did you have because of that? It was oh, uh, just an incredible amount of fun. As I say, it would have been a great night had I just gone to the dinner and and driven back home, which was my original plan. Uh, but to stay Friday night, uh, you know, some of the celebrities that were there, and as you say, they were engaged from. Uh, when they arrived, Jack Armstrong arrived sort of later on the Friday night after the dinner. Um, we were on the patio until well after my usual eight o'clock bedtime. <laughs> uh, certainly, it was one o'clock. Well after one o'clock when when I went upstairs. Uh, I don't know. You, know. you you didn't stick around for the golf tournament. You stayed that Friday night. I'm not sure when you yeah <laughs> uh, you finally uh, went upstairs uh, uh, to bed, but. Uh, it just amazing to sit and, and chat with those folks and and for them to be interested. And we just spent a lot of time talking about the Maritime Women's Basketball Association. Uh, you mentioned Adam Sprague. It was, uh, you know, myself, uh, yourself, Adam Sprague, uh, Kurt Peacock uh, at a table. And we'll, we'll talk about Kurt here yeah, in a minute as well. Just absolutely amazing. Um, we ended up at a table with Sherman Hamilton and Michael Grange. Um, We're living their best lives now with uh, the men's uh, Canadian basketball team qualifying for the Olympics, and you know, amazing. So, and we had talked about that uh, going into it, just kind of briefly. Hey, this is coming up, and all that stuff. And lo and behold, uh, what's unfolding in front of our eyes? Amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And you know, we we uh, we talked to them, and of course, you you know, you meet somebody new, you do intros, and how you what's your connection to the event? And we get talking about that. You know, we're both involved with the the freeze, and they were absolutely plugged into that. Like that that was energizing for me to see how much those two guys who are probably you know but you know at the top of uh, things that are going on in basketball Canada across Canada. Um, you know, they they weren't really aware of the league until we talked about it, and immediately they got the value propositions just right off. Yeah, it was really good. And Joy Slip was part of the table as well, uh, talking with with Sherman. And uh, but w- where else uh, do you have a conversation with David Ganong, the chocolatier? Uh, you know, success story out of St. Stephen, and then go directly to Lisa or or uh, you know who knows Joyce and, and son Sherman just all over the place and and the conversations weren't just about basketball and I think that's what made it so much fun. 
it, that it is what made it uh, what made it so much fun. And you know, I, I got to see you meet Lisa Tomitas, who who we talked about, whose idea sort of spurred the league and and where that went to. First time you met face to face. It was pretty funny, and just uh, going up to her, and she's uh, she's done such a remarkable thing for the sport. You know, the University of Saskatchewan, but at the national level now in Germany, coaching uh, in Germany with its national team, and uh, yeah, just went up and said, hey. Um, the guy that we've been exchanging emails with and, and all that fun stuff and it was just a great meeting and it wasn't long because I didn't want to take her away from her friends and, and Mark who was in her group for golfing but uh, just had that uh, conversation uh, with her to, to put a face to a name and it, it meant a lot to me that's for sure yeah and um, certainly you know phenomenal connections and you know all the celebrities Charlie Cavanaugh female boxer out of St. John who I didn't really even know of and, until that so to find that out as a story that's out there that that's amazing maestro fresh west host hosted the dinner like just unbelievable david miles local musician played after golf uh diane norman who you know i played against uh, one game in junior high tom and i were on the same team we went up to play fredericton high school right at the start of what was then the run um they went on to win that year and didn't lose for three or four years in a row after that. Diane uh, would have made sure of that. Yeah, uh, Diane was was pretty good, <laughs> Olympian, <laughs> yeah. uh, for sure. Um, you know, Joyce Slip uh, was there. I know one point at, at the concert on on the Saturday, I looked down the row and I was beside Joyce, and then it was, uh, you know, Lisa and Miranda and Diane, and I'm sitting beside 50 years, I would say, of Canadian Olympic basketball Absolutely. history at, at least cool. 50 years pretty cool like uh, just uh, unbelievable uh, event and that's even before I talk about the most unbelievable golf story that, that ever exists. <laughs> I'll let you take that away. I mean, uh, Kirk, you know, I knew him marginally from our, uh, he was at the Telegraph after me, after the Telegraph Journal after me, but I always enjoyed his column because he was opinionated and had a good spin. So I just kind of introduced and said, hey, and he recognized from my former days there and uh, take it away. Yeah, so um, we talked about getting pulled into golf, um, you know, uh, uh, and again, Thanks again, Tom, at, uh, for, for making me part of that uh, and helping, you know, fill out a team there. Uh, ended up on a golf team with uh, Hugh Morrison, myself, John Hickey, who coaches at Stu, where I cover, you know, uh, a ton of uh, ton of sports uh, there. Uh, so no, no John from that. Uh, and Kurt Peacock. Uh, Kurt I went to high school with. And I don't think I've seen Kirk since at least early university days, probably even high school, because we sort of very went, two separate ways at the at the university level uh coming out of out of high school um so we're playing we start on hole 12 which is the signature hole absolutely beautiful and and you know um, kurt was uh not not uh, a frequent golfer the same as me uh, doesn't golf very often uh john and you uh golf a bit more uh so they were they were carrying us through the first sort of half of our, our round um you know uh I did manage to, to sink a birdie putt, uh, you know, f I think we were, we were on hole five or six at that point, so we had come around to our, our second uh, second nine and, uh, you know, not too many holes left, and Michael Grange joined us, I think, on right after that, so hole, hole six or, or seven, um, and, uh, you know, stayed with us for the rest of the round, so, you know, we had a, had a celebrity uh, with us for the last uh, you know, seven holes or so of, of golf for us. Um, and the second hole that uh, Michael Grange joined us with was a hole-in-one, uh, you know, closest to the cup uh, hole and, and hole-in-one. The hole-in-one prize was 
uh, a lease on a Lincoln Navigator. Um, and as we had done a whole lot of the, the round, I shot first uh, because I'm, I'm either going to be a decent shot that's safe, it's not going to be very long, or it's going to be a terrible shot. It's going it's to go get three feet, right? Way, yeah, yeah get, me, get me out of the way. Um, John Hickey, I'm pretty sure he shot second. Uh, my shot went long and into the water. Of course, we got to the tee and the folks from, uh, from River U Lincoln that were there. And I, I think it was uh, Tugboat Mitchell who, who said, yeah, it's a, it's a 165, but it's playing more like 180. Uh, and I think he was just trying to throw everybody off with, uh, with that. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered to me because I wouldn't have a difference club between 165 and 180 either. Um, anyway, I, I went into the water. Uh, John went into the water, so Kurt, uh, I think, is the, the next one to, to I do shoot. I have a question. Did John yeah. Hickey walk on water to get that ball? Uh, I, I think he could have okay. walked on water to get that ball. Um, Kurt was the next one to shoot, and uh, you know, Kurt was playing the whole round with yard sale clubs. Not only were they yard sale clubs, it looked like someone had played about two years of, of road hockey with the clubs. Uh, there's a picture of the clubs uh, that, are, that are out there. Uh, and as he'd been doing all day, he, he teed one up. And when I say he teed one up, uh, um, the tee was probably about seven inches long. And, and there were six inches of, it, inch of it, I think, sticking out of the ground. Uh, so he's got his hybrid um, beat up. The ball that he's using, he found in the woods on his, on his last hole because he and I spent a lot of time in the woods. Uh, I think of everyone on the golf course, he and I would be the two least likely to, to have, uh, you know, uh, been closest to the cup on, was it uh, on this, per- this particular hole. Uh, no, it, it was a Srixen. <laughs> okay. Uh, exactly is, is what, it, what it was. So he steps up and, uh, you know, we, we, we look at him and we look at how high he's going to tee and think, there's no way that, uh, you know, this is, this is going to work. Uh, he swings and the ball, you know, as you would expect on, on, a, on a short, uh, shorter par, par three, um, it goes just as straight as an arrow. Tee slightly raised, and it's you know maybe five six feet off the ground. I would say, you know most of the way, um, bounces a good, I'd say forty feet, maybe even thirty yards short of the green. A couple hops, rolls up over the lip, and it starts rolling on the green. So you had a perfect view of it from the tee box. Perfect view of it from the tee box. It starts rolling, and we're thinking, geez, that's looking pretty good. That's going to be a pretty good shot. You know, we're 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 on the green because the first two of us were in the water, right? Like like. You know, we're we're thinking, you know, we're down a stroke on this hole, right? We, we need a miracle. And we got a miracle. <laughs> the ball went in the cup. Wow. Hole in one for a Lincoln Navigator. It was absolutely unbelievable. I'm going to tell this story over and over and over for the rest of my life. Uh, in fact, I had to tell it today. I had a call from the insurance company. Oh, really? uh, who, as a witness? Who, as a witness. Uh, yeah. I had to fill out papers and then had a wow. call to verify yeah. uh, the information that I provided. And they asked some other sort of secret questions, right. which I'm, right. assume, I'm assuming they'll verify my story with everyone else's story. Um, everybody exploded. Uh, the so folks, I saw the video with yeah, Michael Tobias. Yeah, uh, after it was, was just uh, unbelievable. Um, the folks from, from Riverview, I'm, I'm not a Ford guy. You're, you are a Ford guy. Um, they were unbelievable. Product placement, product placement. Yeah, the, they, they were, and I don't mind saying it, they were absolutely unbelievable in terms of, like, they were as excited as we were. Um, Michael Grange, if you follow him on Twitter, he said it's, you know, he's seen the Jordan shot, he's seen Kawhi's. the Kawhi shot, the Batista home runs, seen them all in person. He says this one, because he was able to participate and share in the joy of the moment, and it was it was pure joy. 
because um, it was so unlikely, just so unlikely that he puts this above those. Like that, that's how amazing this this was to be part of and to see that. Uh, and it was just an unbelievable sort of you know capper on the weekend and it couldn't really in my mind have happened to a better guy kurt has been helping promote the the world horse court and the archie steadily right. um and on top of it all needed a car <laughs> he got one uh, so so I, if he doesn't <laughs> and, and have more. it all, if he doesn't have it already i've done my part i've filled out the insurance right. form and, and i did the interview questions uh you know today by phone so Hopefully, if he doesn't have his vehicle, he gets his vehicle pretty soon. That's a, you know, we talked off the top of the segment about it being an amazing event, and, and you were there. Like, it's not like you heard about it five holes over or heard about it in the clubhouse after um, you were there. So it's uh, it just, yeah, put that uh, exclamation point uh, on the entire weekend. Yeah, I, I, I looked it up at one point, and I think the odds were something like one in every 13,000 rounds, there's a hole in one. So pretty long odds, and it's something like 20 to 25 years a golfer has to golf, typically before they get a hole-in-one. So odds are pretty long in ever getting a hole-in-one. To get a hole-in-one, not only sort of in that round, but in the round uh, at the right hole where they're giving away a car, like I have to think those odds are even a lot, a lot, a lot longer than that. I may never see another hole in one in my life. I'll probably never ever get one, not even at mini golf. Probably. Well, that's my biggest problem with golf is the windmill keeps knocking. Yeah, my um, <laughs> I have that problem too. Um, even on real golf course, I keep hitting the windmill. <laughs> and that's never good. Uh, no, not OB, not, OB. not good at all. But uh, yeah, just uh, absolutely amazing to to be part of, and um, you know, really sort of. Uh, um, the weekend was over the top that was even over the top of over the top uh just made the whole thing special and and of course for me it's a guy who I hadn't seen as i said since high school and i'm with him when he's winning a car like unbelievable I agree, so, uh, just yeah. just unbelievable um so yeah i know uh, we've we've talked a while here we've got a couple things here left to, to talk about quickly you want to touch on new brunswick senior league baseball yeah, it's uh, getting close to playoff time, and I know you're uh, up close and personal with the Royals. You're in the press box uh, a lot of games there, and this is when it gets fun. I know St. John had a tough quarterfinal at the Nationals, uh, with, you know, had a big lead going in, and Nova Scotia wiped it out, but uh, the quality of baseball in the Senior League is, is really good as well, and uh, Baseball Hill is a, an intimate place uh, during the regular season, let alone when the temperature gets a little cooler and the sun goes down and it's playoff time. Uh, uh, and there's a new wave of players, uh, and I, you know, my, I'll be aging myself here, but I've been through the senior league for 40 years in terms of covering, and uh, Fredericton's always been home to some truly solid ball players, and uh, it's good to see the Royals come back, uh, and you know, hopefully uh, go on a run in the playoffs because the the league is. You, know, you look at those standings there, especially early in the season. It's like, is anybody going to be at 500, let alone get over? But things are starting to sort out now. Yeah, it, uh, it's uh, right down. I think there's three games left total in the schedule. Um, Moncton, St. John, two remaining, both against each other. So that will settle uh, fourth and fifth place. So they will play each other um, in that 4-5 elimination. I think it's a single game elimination, 4-4-5. Four, four, um, the winner of that will go on to take on Charlottetown, who is the only club this year to get over Separate. 20 wins. Yeah. They sort of separated themselves pretty good from the pack, and that puts uh, Chatham and Fredericton in the other semifinal. 
Those two teams have one game remaining tomorrow night at Royals Field. Uh, I will be there for that. So that will be, uh, geez, I don't even know what date we are here now, but it, it's tomorrow from when we're recording this. <laughs> right. From when you're listening to this, it's two probably not not, it. yeah. uh, it. uh, not tomorrow. Uh, playoffs, uh, I think, start for the Royals uh, and the Ironmen on the 16th of September. Um, so that will be next Saturday. Um, I think Greg Morris keeps the rivalry alive. And, uh, yeah, the <laughs> Chatham rivalry is good. Um, you know, their import this year has been everything you'd want an import to be. Um, you know, he's uh, um, been one of the top two pitchers. He may even win pitcher of the year. I think Colby Lyle of Fredericton probably is, in my mind, just slightly more deserving. Uh, but their import, also one of the top hitters. Like, uh, certainly if there was an overall top uh, player this year, he would be in the running for certain. Um, last night, Fredericton had a chance to make uh, that game uh, that they have left against Chatham uh, be for home field advantage. That wasn't so. They got uh, got spanked a little bit by St. John. An interesting twist in that game. It was nearly a no-hitter, and nobody really knew. Uh, the St. John starter um, was pulled after one-third of an inning, gave up five walks. Sherman Yo comes in for the remaining six and two-thirds of the game. Fredericton didn't have a hit until there were two out in the bottom of the seventh inning. You get five walks, you start, uh, even though there's no hits mixed in there, you're thinking, okay, there's been runners on base. There, so there's been runners, and, and yeah. Yo had four walks as well. So there were nine Fredericton base runners, wow. uh, none of them on by a hit. Uh, I think Fredericton scored a run or two, and they got two hits and, and scored a a run or two, I think, in, in that inning. They had scored earlier in the game in the first inning as well with all the walks, of course, you know, piling up and, and even out driving in some runs. So uh, a, a near no-hitter that uh, it seemed from what I what I heard, I wasn't I wasn't there uh, last night, uh, but, uh, you know, from some of the messages I saw exchanged today uh, that, uh, you know, it wasn't exactly evident to those even participating in the game. St. John came over to the Fredericton bench to ask, hey, do we have any hits, right? Like, that's the wow. that's the message that I, that I saw this morning. Lost in the walks. Uh, just kind of got lost because so many runners. So, you know, get out, support senior baseball in New Brunswick, absolutely, um, you know, worth supporting, heading into the playoffs. We've, oh, we've teed that up. It's the best time of year. Um, Speaking of baseball, without switching gears, and we're not going to do a lot of professional talk, but, of course, you know I'm a Houston Astros fan. So Jose Altuve against the Texas Rangers had three home runs before the Rangers' seventh, eighth, and ninth batters came to the plate. Think of that for a second. He had three home runs before the Rangers sent their seventh, eighth, and ninth hitters up to the plate. Wow. Yeah. Crazy story. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. That's, you don't that's see a... that very – you don't see three homers from uh, one player very often, but before the other team has gone through its lineup. And um, you know, while we're on the Astros, I know you just got back from a trip to Boston to to see a couple Astros games, and I I, I still need to thank you for uh, you know the Astros. I won't say sort of you know driving the stake home on the Red Sox, <laughs> the Red Sox. season, but uh, almost driving the stake home in the Red Sox season. Uh, as a Red Sox fan, it has been nothing short of painful all year long. They've been sort of there, but never really there in terms of in the race and uh, lost a key 
three game series to the Jays, I think in late July or something. early August, and that kind of sunk them down, made a little bit more noise. And I think your Astros have finally dropped us far enough back that, uh, you know, getting there is not uh, realistic and uh, means I can stop watching the Red Sox and, and move on to other Senior things. Senior baseball season. Yeah, so second I'll, season. I'll be probably yeah. in the press box a little bit. Uh, my role with the Royals this year, as, as uh, you know, as it was last year, I told them I'd be a fill in. Uh, that's meant I've probably been there for 75, 80% of the games this year. Uh, maybe a little more than, than I expected when I said that, uh, but happy to get out there and, uh, um, you know, we're well into this one. I won't go into my little rant on the on the state of Royals Field. Um, it's one of the best places to be, uh, despite this, despite uh, you know um, the state of Royals Field. Uh, that's a, that's a rant for another time, and probably uh, make a few people not happy with me. So with that going on, uh, why don't we wrap up uh, spending a few minutes talking about what's coming up for us, aside from the senior uh, league playoffs? Was when August ends, it's just hurry up and go. And uh, September, I love September and I love October. It always seems to be followed by November. But one good thing about it, it's it's that time of year when baseball, football, hockey, uh, everything, basketball is intersecting, soccer, you name it. If you're a fan of sports, uh, walk out your door and you're going to see it. UNB football's back. Uh, basketball season training camps have started. Uh, hockey training camps, baseball stretch runs. Just a fantastic time to be a sports fan, locally, regionally, wherever. Absolutely, and there might be just a few stories coming out of some of those things that you just mentioned for us to talk about. Oh, I think so. It's a lot of things to keep an eye on. Uh, St. Thomas University is uh, closing in on, on naming an athletic director. Mike Eagles, of course, retired after a couple of decades there. and uh, It's going to be interesting to see uh, who picks up that position, uh, an important position. Uh, that's for sure in the ACAA, and, and Stu has some uh, U sports as well. Uh, a new basketball coach, uh, the Jeff Speedy era, finished at UNB and uh, all that fun stuff. And uh, Aaron McAleenan, the Sussex product, uh, is back in her home province as, as head coach of UMB Reds. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where she goes. And we were talking today about UMB basketball. Uh, you know, who's the favorite in AUS women's? Uh, St. Mary's maybe at this point with a veteran crew coming back. But uh, I think UMB has some pieces. UMB has got some real pieces. And, you know, this, you know, you said, uh, you know, Jeff Speedy slept into a, stepped into a mineral there. Um, and this is in no way to diminish what Jeff Speedy did at UMB. But there is a buzz about UNB basketball, and in particular the women's program, going into the season like I've not heard of in years. Yeah, there's certainly some talent there, some shooting, some size, uh, and Aaron brings a different energy. And I, I think Jeff would probably tell you, as somebody that's uh, you know been in a position for a couple of decades, um, sometimes the message can get lost, but he certainly brought a lot. Uh, when, when I think of what Jeff's done for basketball, uh, it's a ton. And now he's, you know, assistant athletic director. You would be a continue on with that role under John Richard. Um, did a great job and was a mentor to many. Uh, Joe Salerno with the men's team as well. Like there's a program that, you know, had reached the pinnacle almost uh, a couple of years ago. And things get forgotten because of the COVID shortened season, canceled season, shortened season, and all that fun stuff. Uh, so it's going to be, and the same with Fred Connors with a young team, Stu Women's Basketball, and John Hickey with a team that I think has to win this year, and he's got some interesting parts, which we'll discuss as the season goes on. So there's a big cookie jar uh, to reach into and, and tell stories. 
Yeah, I, I think so. And I know I wrote, I wrote down a little list here of things that I think you and I have got coming up here. Uh, myself just waiting on word from John Hickey uh, as to, uh, you know, the Dwight Dickinson golf tournament, which is this weekend, a little fundraiser uh, there for Stu Basketball. Uh, much like the Archie, I'll said I'll, I'll join a team and happily join a team if they don't mind that I'm really no good at golf. Uh, so waiting on one word uh, on that, that could, uh, could happen this weekend, September 9th. Um, I've been invited down to uh, Rossi Netherwood uh, by Maritime Athletic Profiles to help them cover the Milner tournament. So um, an eight-team tournament uh, divided into two divisions. Uh, on the men's side, uh, all, all, all men, uh, Stu, UNB, uh, CBU, Acadia is one division. So uh, John Hickey and his Tommy's team stepping right up immediately against uh, three U Sports teams to open their preseason. Uh, on the other side, uh, Rossi Netherwood, BC Christian, who's making a long trip across the, the country to participate, uh, St. Foy out of Quebec, uh, and UNBSJ in the other division. So that's uh, coming up at the end of the month, 28th through 30th. Uh, I'll be down there covering that for Maritime Athletic Profiles. Uh, the last two days of that overlap with the Helen Campbell tournament at UNB. So I, I may or may not get to the Sunday of the, the Helen Campbell. Uh, I hope to. Uh, we've got that going on. Uh, you talked about uh, other things starting back up. Uh, uh, AUS Hockey uh, is starting up. Uh, you'll be doing some of the stew coverage uh, this year. Yeah, behind the mic with uh, Stu Women's. Looking forward to that. Uh, UNB men's hockey and women's hockey, uh, both formidable presences in the AUS. Uh, just... Uh, so much going on it's due getting the uh, soccer nationals in 24 on the men's side just uh which is always exciting when you can host uh, any type of national championship in your city uh, and the other thing that i know is is on your radar coming right up uh maritime hockey league fredericton red wings um they look to have a strong group of returnees back yeah, this year and I, I know it's a league where the roster that you have at training camp, probably not the roster you're going to have at Christmas, let alone at the end of the year. And, and uh, you know, it's very cyclical and, and uh, a lot of player movement. But uh, I take a look at that uh, group they've got back and, you know, they seem, uh, if nothing else, to have uh, a deep group of returnees. I, I don't know if the, you know, the... I don't know enough about the league to know if the high-end uh, talent, uh, you know, is there amongst that group. But from what I saw last year, some pretty talented players back, though. Yeah, it's been a tough grind, too, because when the Red Wings, the, the first year, went off with a hitch, first time junior A hockey had been back in, in decades under the Maritime Hockey League loop. And then, of course, COVID uh, canceled the season, interrupted a season. Uh, so it was just kind of a sputtering start for Roger Shannon and his group, but I know the work they put into it. It's uh, trying to find a niche in a town where UNB hockey is king. There's a, you can't, can't dispute it. And uh, but they you know, they they switched their games, a lot of their home games, to Thursday nights to see to get away from the weekend and at the at the Grand Harvey. And it, it's a solid product. The games are fast. They're done in two hours and ten minutes. Uh, but this year should be interesting. And you go as far as your goal. It doesn't matter what league it is. It doesn't matter if it's Mike Geezer's team. Or if it's Maritime uh, Hockey League or if it's UNB, U Sports, uh, you have to have goaltending. And uh, that's going to be the biggest test because I think they will have one of the top lines in the league. And Slava Melikov, a young Russian, uh, is going into his third season and he's worth the price of admission. He truly is. He's a, he's a fun player to watch. He's a, a straight-ahead player. He's not uh, east-west. He's going north-south. So he, he's fun to watch. And along with uh, Peltier out of Edmonston. And Manic Sarazen, the right winger who was just released from Sherbrooke Phoenix in the queue, uh, they're hoping he lands back in Fredericton. That would be a pretty formidable line. 
uh, that would be a per- pretty formidable line. I know I did some spot duty for you there, um, you know, last year, maybe even a little bit the year before. Um, it, it is a fun brand of hockey to watch. Like I, I enjoy myself every time I go there. As you say, it's it's fast. Uh, it's a great facility. And what I'm always shocked about, and even particularly even when I look at season ticket prices, it's pretty affordable. It is affordable, and that's what you want. You want to be able to to take the, it's family entertainment, and uh, you don't want to you know, look at the NHL prices. I'm going to a game in Boston at the end of September for a preseason game, two hundred and twenty some dollars. It's foolish, but uh, you know, for under fifty dollars, you can take your family out and even have a bite to eat. That's for sure. I'm not cooking the hot dogs there. But the other key part with the Red Wings is Jared Cosman, uh, who was a 16-year-old defenseman in Fredericton. Uh, he's from Grand Bay, Westfield, and he went on to play three years in the queue. He was just released as a 20-year-old in St. John. Uh, Fredericton still has his rights, but he's at uh, Acadie Bathurst camp right now, so the Teton has to make a decision with him whether they're going to keep him as a 20-year-old or not. But he would certainly be a huge boost if he wanted to come back and play junior A hockey in Fredericton. Uh, very, very interesting, and I know you know we'll we'll wrap up here fairly quickly, but a little bit of changes as well in that league this year um, with uh, uh, the Kent County Steamers, uh, which be South Shore Lumberjacks. Is that that correct? Yeah, it used the, to be the South Shore Lumberjacks yeah, uh, out team, of Bridgewater. Yeah, a team and, that uh, transferred in yeah. to, to New Brunswick uh, led to a little bit of reorganization. So Summerside, who you know. Uh, they every time I would look at the standings, they were one or two in the East Link North right. Division. They've moved over uh, into the into the South, um, so a little bit different look. And uh, I would say uh, the East Link North, from what I know of this league, pretty wide open this it, year. It should be wide open. I mean, Edmonton's always going to be strong. The, uh, uh, the Blizzard puts a good product on the ice, but I think. Uh, uh, the teams are, are pretty tight, and with Summerside gone, it, it should be up for grabs a little bit. West Kent's going to be interesting. They're playing out of Bucktoosh. I think if there's one thing I would change in the Maritime Hockey League, honestly, is because most people will furrow their brow if you say South Shore is coming to town. You're not sure when, when South Shore was there. It's Bridgewater. And I, I, I get it. You want to cover the county like West Kent playing out of Bucktoosh. You want to encompass Shediac and Capillet and, and all those areas. But sometimes for fan identification in a new league where it's only into its fifth year, it's uh, it can be tough to identify. Hey, we're going to the rink tonight to see so sure. Okay, who's that? So I think that's one of the things that could change, but I think they also want to make sure they're regional in some of the smaller areas. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that makes sense. Um, their only exhibition game is this Saturday the 9th, their only home exhibition, home exhibition game. game. Uh, that's a back-to-back uh, with Miramichi, so the second of the back-to-back. You're there covering that. Yeah, I look forward to, uh, well, my fifth year uh, of covering uh, the Red Wings, and uh, it's a good brand of hockey. And uh, before that, I was covering UNB hockey, and uh, you know, I love that brand as well because that's it's it's a big difference but the as long as fans see a competitive game it's all that matters doesn't matter really what the level is you just want to go to a game and and, and be entertained uh, absolutely and and uh, i think that sort of runs down the list uh, anything else you're involved in i think that covers no, sort of what i'm involved uh, in coming up in the next little bit you know it's it's again you can talk about things and um and see them come to fruition like when i walked into the home studio in marysville uh uh, tonight and, and saw uh, what you have. It, it, it's amazing. It's, it, it's so simplistic. Um, I, I, I'm not an avid podcaster, but I'm going to be now because now you have to listen to, to get tips and everything. But I just, I think we talked off the top, Gibby, about trying to fill a void. And uh, we're not doing it for ourselves because we love, but we do love telling stories. And there's a quadrillion of them, if that's a number. And uh, we hope you get a laugh once in a while. I hope you're entertained. hope you're informed. 
uh, as a listener and uh, give us a chance. And, and as you said, and I, I know you'll give the email address if anybody has any suggestions, remarks. Um, you know, as, as a former journalist, I always say I've got uh, uh, dagger-proof jackets on, right? Like, it's uh, you, you want to have fun, but uh, if we can uh, raise the ire every once in a while, well, we'll do that too. But mostly uh, what this is about is just to inform and tell stories. Yeah, absolutely. And I held back on my little rant from uh, about Royals Field. Uh, Maybe we'll get into that uh, one of these times if we are able to talk about Senior Baseball League uh, playoffs again. So no shortage of of things to talk about. Late scratches at outlook.com. Late scratches at outlook.com. Don't forget there is an E in scratches. Um, if you have any feedback for us, send it along or reach Brad or I uh, through the other channels you might reach us on. Um, this is sort of the end of episode one. Um, I think we've got enough to talk about for another episode. Oh, I think so, yeah. Depending we'll on the feedback. We, That's right. yeah, we, we won't have the yard sale sign made quite, quite just yet. Um, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, how the feedback is and you know, hopefully you give us a break. This is our, our first. Um, we don't have no idea how this is going to sound when we when we play it back, uh, but uh, hopefully it'll be all right. And uh, regardless, we'll throw it out there, assuming their device actually recorded. Yeah, it. that's right. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, uh, well, <laughs> did, did we press the magic button? Uh, is this thing on? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll throw it out there. And, uh, you know, uh, we do welcome your feedback and welcome your ideas. And, uh, you know, thank you for tuning in to episode one of Late Scratches. Be a part of the Fredericton Freeze women's basketball team's $100 from 100 fundraising campaign. The Maritime Women's Basketball League team is seeking $100 from 100 businesses for their 2024 operating expenses. Email MWBA at outlook.com or fredertonfreeze.ca for details.